Hello and welcome to Slang Giants. I am Joe Sneed. Glad you're with us today. Well, it is almost Christmas time. It is, well, it is Christmas time. It's almost Christmas. It's Christmas week. And I hope you are having a great time with your family. I uh, realized I need to do a Christmas episode. And so uh, here it is. I'm going to finish off the year with a Christmas episode and hopefully it'll be a little more lighthearted, but also uh, deep and edify you. Anyway, so I want to start out the show with a um, with a correction. So last episode, I did a review of Enemies Within the Church. Um, excellent documentary. Every Christian should see it. It will galvanize, uh, clarify and galvanize your resolve of what we need to do. But in it, I made a mistake. I was talking about all these great people that you meet that uh, Pastor Kerry Gordon was interviewing, and one of them I mentioned was Harry Hay, um, and that he was the guy who was the uh, the intelligence officer who was a whistleblower during the Obama administration and who was later found dead under very suspicious conditions uh, this very year. Well, I got the name wrong. The guy is actually Philip Haney. He's the guy who was the whistleblower and that whom they interviewed in the inter, in the uh, documentary and who was later found dead in a very uh, Clinton-esque style suicide. So it's very suspicious. Um, he was a brother in Christ and he said, if you ever find him dead and they say it's a suicide, don't believe it because he doesn't, he's a Christian. He doesn't believe in suicide. So that was very suspicious. And then, uh, but yeah, the, I got his name mixed up with Harry Hay. Now, Harry Hay is the exa- is kind of on the opposite end of that spectrum. Harry Hay was a uh, a homosexual activist and an uh, a, a communist. And the um, the part of the, what the documentary goes over is how those two movements went hand in hand together. Hay later would downplay his communist ties so he could. Um, as he would say, it'd be better for the cause, but he never stopped being a communist. So, yeah, I want to be sure to honor the right person, Philip Haney, and not Harry Hay. Hopefully, Harry Hay repented before he died, because he was did not live a righteous life. All righty. So, getting into Christmas now, I encountered an interesting question recently. Um, a lady brought up the fact to me that Jesus was almost certainly not born on Christmas Day, on December 25th, and that December 25th was, uh, in ancient Roman times, there was actually two different pagan holidays that were celebrated on that day, which I'll get into in a minute, and she wanted to know why we should celebrate Christ's birth on a day that he was not born on, and um, on a day that was meant to honor pagan gods. Now, it's interesting when I heard that question, you know, God's providence is perfect, and I'd heard a podcast about this uh, right before. And I'm going to, if I remember, I'm going to put in the, uh, put this podcast link in the show notes. That it, the, That podcast addressed this very issue. And so, I think it's a very good question. Uh, Christians have wondered this. Um, first of all, they want to know when was Jesus born, and second of all, if it's not on December twenty fifth, why do we celebrate it on December December twenty fifth? And furthermore, 
why do we celebrate it on a day that ancient pagans celebrated their holiday? So, um, well, and first of all, I want to say uh, that people who raise this question, I want to commend them for their research. They're absolutely right. Now, uh, Jesus was almost certainly not born on December 25th. However, we can deduce from the facts given to us in um, the gospel according to Luke when Jesus was born. And I'm not going to get into all the details of it here, but I'll give you a little uh, 30,000-foot view. So in in Luke, it talks about um, Zacharias and how he was of the division of Abijah. Well, if you look in the scriptures... According to First Chronicles twenty four ten, that Abijah was one of the descendants of Aaron, and Aaron was the head of the Levitical priesthood. And the David divided up by lots, meaning they just like rolled dice to decide when each division would serve in the tabernacle, and then later in the temple. And they divided them up into twenty four divisions. Um, and each one would serve twice, oh, four week, twice a year. And then there was the three high feasts of Passover, Pentecost, and Tabernacles, in which all the priests would serve then. So that's how the so a, a priest would serve basically five times a year uh, on the three high uh, holy days, and then uh, two other weeks out of the year. Well, Abijah, the division of Abijah was the eighth of the twenty four divisions. And according to our Gregorian calendar, there would be the rotation was would fall in in late June to early July, and then the second rotation, which was twenty four weeks later, plus the T- Feast of Tabernacles, would happen in uh, late December to early January. And then from in the book of Luke, I was looking over this morning, talks about how after Zacharias was serving there in the in the temple. You know, he was told by the angel Gabriel that he would have a son, and then it it talks about how after he served there, how his wife became pregnant. Now, we're assuming it's pretty soon after that, so uh, the text seemed to indicate that it was pretty soon after that. And then in Luke 1, it further goes on to say that six months later, or six months after Elizabeth, Elizabeth was uh, Zechariah's wife, six months into her pregnancy— the angel came to Mary and told her that she would be pregnant. And then it says, after Mary um, accepted the news, she immediately went to her cousin Elizabeth and and stayed with her until she had her baby, and then Mary came back. So if you add up the months, assuming that there's no time, not, not much time elapsed uh, between the announcement and then the uh, inception of the pregnancy that it, you have six months and then you have nine months after that. You have the first six months of Elizabeth's pregnancy. Then Mary gets her out her, her announcement. We know from when Mary went to see Elizabeth that she was pregnant at that time because Elizabeth was filled with the Holy spirit and John the Baptist in her womb leapt in the, her womb. And she said, who is this that carries my savior? So she obviously had, she was pregnant at that time. So you got six months, and then the last nine months, so you have, you know, uh, six plus nine, you have 15 months. And so depending on which 
division of Abijah Zacharias was serving in, that would mean Jesus was born in either the um, the late March, early April time period, or the the uh, late September, uh, October division. I tend to think that Jesus was born in the uh, the second in the 15 months after the second of the Abijah rotation, because that would make Christ's birth right around the Feast of Tabernacles. Now, let's look at the Feast of Tabernacles. And we know that all of the, there's seven feasts mentioned in the Mosaic Law that the Jews were to observe. And every one of those feasts, tied into somehow with Christ and his ministry in the New Testament and um, and how things are going to end up. And I believe, well, let's look at the first, the, the Feast of Tabernacles. It was also known as the Feast of Booths. Uh, as you might recount, the Feast of Tabernacles, it commemorated how God dwelled in the midst of Israel during their 40 years of wandering in the wilderness. You can look in uh, Exodus 23, 16, and in Deuteronomy as well. And it was during the Feast of Tabernacles, so... God was amongst them in their midst in the tabernacle. Now, it was during the Feast of Tabernacles that Solomon dedicated the temple in 1 Kings 8, and we remember how the cloud came down and filled up the temple, also signifying that God's presence was there. And it was during the Feast of Tabernacles that Ezra proclaimed to the returned captives to rebuild the temple. Uh, We can look in Nehemiah 8. So I believe that it was during this time that during this feast that Jesus was born because it's during Christ's birth that God truly did tabernacle with us. Um, as John 1.14 says, now some more modern translations will say that something like Jesus, you know, the, the word dwelt among us, but the literal translation of John 1.14 from the Greek, it literally says in the word tabernacled among us. So John was clearly trying to make that connection, and then if in Matthew 1, 22-23, it just reminds us about the prophecy that Isaiah made that Jesus will be Emmanuel, which is God with us. So because of those reasons, I think that Jesus was born during the Feast of Tabernacles. He tabernacled with us. Now, but whether he was born in late September or in early March, um, Neither one is close to December 25th, so why do we celebrate his birth on December 25th? Now, especially since this was the date that the pagans in the Roman world would celebrate their holidays of Saturnalia and Invictus Sol. By the way, Invictus Sol is just the Latin for the unconquered sun. Well, first let's go into a little bit of uh, church history. Um, It doesn't appear that the early church celebrated Christ's birth on any uniform date. The more important dates back then were Epiphany, which tra- uh, traditionally is January 6th. That's when many would celebrate the wise men visiting Jesus, even though we're not sure exactly when they came. And uh, the other important day in the early church was Easter or Resurrection Sunday, which is the Sunday after Passover, as you can imagine. Now, we're not sure of the exact year, but by A.D. 336... December 25th had officially been made the date that the Western Church celebrated Christ's birth. And it came to be known as Christ Mass, you know, the Mass that they celebrated Christ. 
Now, we're not sure exactly why that date was chosen. Some speculate that since this was the date that the pagans celebrated um, the days starting to get longer after the winter solstice, which is today, the day I'm recording this, December 21st, that the church leaders wanted people to celebrate Christ's birth instead of the pagan sun god, in Latin, that soul. Uh, because, you know, the, the pagan world, they're very worried that the natural order wouldn't continue, and so, and they worshipped natural phenomena as gods, and, you know, the, for them, the days getting shorter and shorter was scary, and by, and, you know, the shortest day of the year is December 21st, well, by December 25th, it was obvious that the days were getting longer again, and so they would celebrate, call a uh, Soli Victus, or this unconquered sun on that day, Think, saying that, you know, the, the sun god had, was undefeated, um, it was also right then, there, it was the end of a Saturnalia feast where they celebrated, uh, um, you know, this god Saturn as well in the Roman pantheon. Well, over the, but we we think that the church fathers wanted, when, when the Roman Empire was officially made uh, Christian by Constantine, that these church leaders wanted the people to stop celebrating these pagan gods and instead celebrate the real god. So over the centuries, people slowly began, and and we think that they chose December 25th for that reason. So over the centuries, people slowly began to stop stop celebrating Saturnalia, and instead they began celebrating the true God coming into his world. People stopped saying that the sun is invincible. They stopped saying solely Victus, Invictus, and instead started to say that the the sun, S-O-N, is invincible, Filius Invictus. Jesus is the unconquered son of God, or Invicti Filius Dei. So today, virtually nobody celebrates the sun or Saturn on December 25th. However, nearly 2 billion people celebrate Christ's birth intentionally on Christmas, and billions more celebrate it unknowingly. And I say nearly 2 billion, even though there's over 2 billion people that claim to be Christians because uh, many in the Eastern Church celebrate Christmas on a different day. But the vast majority of Christians celebrate it on December 25th uh, in a meaningful way. And then there's many unbelievers who will celebrate Christmas um, without it. They don't have a relationship with Christ, but they're still proclaiming his birth. It's Christ Mass. I just think it's so cool how God did that. So I think it's an incredible story of Christ and his kingdom advancing and, and that we no longer celebrate the sun, the S-U-N, but now we celebrate the sun, the S-O-N of God on that day. The true God has defeated these false pagan gods. So whether they know it or not, the whole world now celebrates Christ's birth on on that date. And the holiday of Christmas, that that's the first reason I think we should keep celebrating Christmas on December 25th. The second reason is the holiday Christmas now gives pastors a wonderful opportunity to share the gospel with those who would normally uh, be resistant to hear it. Uh, as you know, uh, there are many people who would never darken the doors of a church throughout the year, but on Christmas, they will gladly go to church and see a Christmas special or Christmas pageant or hear a Christmas service. You know, and uh, there's those people who call themselves Christians, but they only go to church like on Christmas and Easter. You know, and instead of bemoaning that fact, I think we should use that opportunity knowing that there's people there that will be in church that will be there on no other time uh, to present the gospel in a powerful way. And I, I know for pastors, that's a godsend. 
So for those reasons, I think that we should keep celebrating Christmas on December 25th. Number one, it's it's an incredible testimony to how Christ's kingdom is advancing on earth and how the true God has conquered these false gods. Uh, that's the reason number one. And reason number two is because everything is revolves around Christmas now, around the birth of Christ on December 25th. And people expect Christmas celebrations, and people will sing glory to God at that time of year who won't sing at any other time. And it just I feels like it would just be destroying a whole lot of good work done if we just were to stop doing that and try to create a whole bunch of new traditions. I think we should be thankful that this is a time of year when people are more open to the gospel and, uh, and just thank God for it and use it and celebrate it. And I'm celebrating. I've got my mug of eggnog, non-alcoholic. Every year it's a Christmas tradition. I get it from Brahms. Brahms makes the best eggnog. And I was so sad. I went there yesterday and they were all out. But the lady said, come back in the, you know, to the, in the morning. We're, we, we might get a new shipment in. And I show up and the shelves were full. So Christmas miracle. Christmas is saved. <laughs> I love my eggnog, even though I know it's basically drinking liquid butter. It's so delicious. And those of you who say eggnog is gross, just realize you're in the very small minority. Most people love eggnog. So you should, lo- you should love it too. So that's what I did uh, this episode over. I wasn't sure what I was going to do it over. Uh, there's a cool story. There's a legend that in uh, 325 AD at the Council of Nicaea that Santa Claus punched the heretic Arius in the face. <laughs> so, uh, yeah, Santa Claus was a real guy, St. Nicholas, that the legends are based off of. Thought about doing an episode off of that. Um, but, I, I, you know, that would have been a cool story. I love it that, you know, the, the who we think of as this jolly old fat guy uh, was a devout lover of Christ and really cared about truth so much that he punched the awful heretic Arius in the face, which is awesome if that story is true. Um, but since we're not a hundred percent sure it's true, I decided to go with this other, what I think is a pretty cool, um, topic knowing when Christ was born, how it ties into Old Testament festivals, uh, why we came to celebrate on December 21st, I mean 25th, and why that's okay. I think it's good. All right, well, I hope you all have a great Christmas with your family. Um, we uh, we hope to have one. Um, I hope to do a review soon. I just read two great books. I read Just Thinking About the State by the Just Thinking Guys, which is a podcast I love, by, by Daryl Harrison and Virgil Walker. The four is by John MacArthur. Excellent book, really good. But then after that, I wrote a, read another book called Social Justice Pharisees, Woke Church Tactics and How to Engage Them. It's by A.D. Robles. This book is great. I mean, they're both really good, but this one, I think, by A.D. Robles is even better because it's a lot shorter, and he's such a funny writer. He's very accessible, but very biblical. He, he was a pastor for a long time, and he uh, it's just a great handbook. It just kind of gets to the heart of the issue and... You know, just going through the scriptures, he shows how these woke progressives will twist scripture, and he shows how to properly exegete the scripture 
and how to combat it. But it also, I mean, it also spoke to my heart. It convicted my heart in a few areas when he was going through the scriptures. And just, so it blessed me in ways I wasn't even expecting. So Social Justice Pharisees by A.D. Robles. I highly recommend that book. If you have to just get one book to understand what to do in this a- in this day and age. But if you want to go a little deeper, I'd get also get just thinking about the state. I just started John Harris's book, Christianity and Social Justice, Religions and Conflict, and it's really good, but it's very much more heady. It was weird to go from, you know, going from just thinking to just thinking about the state to social justice Pharisees was kind of a relief because it was much less intellectual thinking. And now I'm going back to Christianity and social justice, which is a little more uh, back in that same vein of, of writing. So it's a it's like, okay, you know, it's like you're going downhill, now you're going back up. So anyways, I hope you and your family have a wonderful Christmas. Uh, celebrate this holiday. Yes, you should celebrate it. You should rejoice in it. You should sing the carols and even some of the silly holiday songs. And uh, just have a great time. Love you guys. See you later. Bye. If you like Slaying Giants, please visit the website at slanggiantshow.com and support us via PayPal. You can also contact us at slanggiantshow at protonmail.com. Slaying Giants is a Joe Sneed creative production.